joyful sound. Sing with me on that first and last verse. We have heard the joyful sound. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Spread the tidings all around. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Bear the news to every land. Climb the steeps and cross the waves. Onward to our Lord's command. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Give the winds a mighty voice. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Let the nations now rejoice. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Shout salvation full and free. Highest hills and deepest caves. This our song of victory. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Sing this next song with me, complete in thee. Think about the truths of the song as we sing. Complete in thee, no work of mine. Complete in thee, no work of mine. May take, dear Lord, the place of thine. Thy blood hath pardoned, bought for me. And I am now complete in thee. Yea, justified, O oh, blessed thought, and sanctified, salvation wrought. Thy blood hath pardoned, bought for me, and glorified I too shall be. Complete in thee, each one supplied, and no good thing to me denied, since thou my portion, Lord, will be. I ask no more, right the complete in thee. Complete in thee, no more shall sin. Thy grace hath conquered, reign within. Thy voice shall bid the tempter flee, and I shall stand complete in thee. Yea, justified, O oh blessed Lord, and sanctified, salvation wrought. Thy blood hath poured in blood for me, and glorified I too shall be. Dear Savior, when before thy bar, all tribes and tongues assembled are. Among thy chosen I shall be at thy right hand, complete in thee. Yea, justified, O oh blessed thought, and sanctified, salvation wrought. Thy blood hath pardoned, bought for me, and glorified I too shall be. Thank you for that singing this morning. Why don't you have a seat? We got a number of announcements this morning we'll go through before we pray. Tonight's basketball game is at 7 o'clock and is themed Retro Night. So wear your oldest WCBC or vintage attire to cheer on your Eagles to victory. So tonight, 7 o'clock, Retro Night. I think, our, I think our mascot is here somewhere this morning and uh, has an... Oh, there he is. Hey, come on out here. What is going on? What's goes? Alrighty guys, tonight we have got a huge game. I want to be honest with you guys. The eagle has been hurting, I will be honest. Our birdcage has been suffering a little bit. So tonight guys, I know we're college students, I know we got busy lives, but tonight I need you guys in that birdcage. We got to cheer on our eagles. We got to be there for our guys. So if you're going to try to be here tonight, let me hear you. Yeah. 
I got one more question. We are? We are? I'll see you guys there tonight, retro night. Make sure to show up. All right, thank you. And there is another game tomorrow at 2 p.m., so keep that in mind. We're playing the same team, I think, tonight and tomorrow, so keep that in mind. We'll beat them twice. Um, please remember about the food and the drinks in the WAC. Uh, we, we try to keep all food and drinks out of the gym area, so if you go and get some food or drinks there at the hangar, make sure that you devour those. I know you can eat fast. Uh, so take care of those before you come into the gym area. We want to try to steward that as best we can. If you, signed, if you have signed up to serve during the tip-off tournament next week, please meet with Brother Williams in the deaf section right after chapel today. If you did not sign up, I'm sure they would welcome your presence as well. If you'd like to be a part of that, great opportunity to serve. All West Coast Baptist College students planning to participate in weekend Jewish outreach this semester, please complete the form on the screens after chapel and meet with Brother Adams after chapel in right down here. He was gonna meet in the deaf section as well. We'll put them over here on the baptistry side. So again, Jewish outreach, make sure you're filling out that form with the cue card and then meet with Brother Adams after chapel today. Come join us for a night of mystery and mayhem. The LBS seniors invite you to attend their play uh, tonight, seven o'clock in the worship center. Tickets are $10 and can be purchased at the school office or at the door. And so that may be of interest to you. Great opportunity as well. There's no college Sunday school this Sunday due to the home fellowships. All of you should have received by now your assignment for that time to help our church family and facilitate that great opportunity for them as our church prepares for the February 19th offering. And so this is one way we can contribute to that in a great way by helping our church family on Sunday night. And so if you have not received information on that, it's coming. And uh, if you don't know where to go by Sunday night, just ask and we'll direct to you in the right way. I think we have a, a, a video today about something. Welcome to the George and George Show. I'm your main host, George III. And I am your main host, George Washington. In a world filled with serious problems, like crime, like inflation, like the environment, like debt, like democracy, like monarchy. Uh, in a world filled with immensely serious issues, you need a show willing to talk about the least serious issues possible. And that's where we come in. We are excited to provide insight, foresight, and oversight of all of the news that concerns you. Our first topic for today, George, is... Fine arts! Everyone's favorite! George, what do we need to know about fine arts? Well, the first thing that we need to know is that everyone, yes, everyone, should have signed up already. If you were in chapel on Tuesday and are part of the 30% that haven't signed up, you need to sign up. If you weren't in chapel on Tuesday and were part of the 30% who haven't signed up, you still need to sign up. Go to wcbc.edu forward slash fine arts, click it on your screens right now, and sign up today. Um, George, that, that's not how this screen works here. I wouldn't know. I died in 1820. But anyway, make sure that you sign up. <laughs> but seriously, seriously, if you haven't done it already, wcbc.edu forward slash fine arts sign up today so that we can work with your availability if you don't complete the availability form you will be scheduled whenever you are needed so you won't be able to get out of participating just by forgetting to sign up so do it now and help us as we try to work with your schedule and have a fine arts revolution Great announcement, George. I am a good and benevolent ruler to give my students and my subjects so much mercy. Give my subjects gifts so that they will love me. W but we aren't your subjects anymore, George. Doesn't matter. Give them gifts so that they will love me. But doesn't it make you question true love when you have to bribe them to love you? 
I've never felt true love before. Okay, well, uh, our first winners are from the work-study areas supporting this event. And the following people have won your bribe. Uh, reward. 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 Mm -hmm. <clears throat> That's how democracy works. Mm -hmm. Yes. Drum roll, please. Paul Yates. That's enough. That's enough. Fine. Paul Yates and Jocelyn Salmeron. Congratulations. You win a $10 gift card to Chick-fil-A, which I have heard is amazing. As your reward for signing up and for your availability, you can receive this royal gift at David Adams' office, who I'm told is an amazing person. Well, that's all we have time for today. I'm George III, your main host. And I am George Washington, your main host. We will see you next time. Good afternoon. All right. Thanks for enjoying that. We pay those guys big bucks to do this kind of stuff, so we appreciate it so much. And uh, if you haven't signed up, make sure you do. If you tried out for the drama, we'll have that cast posted uh, by five o'clock today in the post office. You can go by there and see if your name is there, and there'll be some instruction as to when we will meet uh, to distribute the scripts and so on. Uh, so that'll be up by five o'clock today. Uh, put this date on your calendar, February the 16th, which is Thursday, two weeks from yesterday, will be our spring banquet, and it is entitled Evening Symphony. Evening Symphony. It's going to be great. And we'll tell you more about it next week. Tickets will go on sale next week toward the end of the week. And so February 16th, Thursday night, 6 o'clock, Evening Symphony. Well, let's have a word of prayer. And as we do today, uh, let's remember uh, some of the things we've been praying about. And I just want to remind you to pray for Storm Soto's mom. Uh, she'll be having surgery on Monday. And so before we are gathered together again for a chapel, no doubt that surgery will be taking place. And so if you will, remember that surgery for cancer. And I know Storm and his family would greatly appreciate that. And uh, let's continue to pray for uh, other requests that we've been mentioning in recent days. And if you will also pray for the tip-off tournament next week. We have a lot of young people coming in, excited to host them, and it's going to be a great time. So pray for their safety. Uh, a lot of flights have been canceled in the east and so on this past week because of some wintry weather. And so we're praying that all of them will be able to get here safely and enjoy that great week with us. Well, let's have a word of prayer, and then we will hear a song. Father, thank you uh, for a good week that you've given us, and thank you for all the things we get to be involved in. And this week we've had a lot of basketball games, and, and uh, we've had Missionary Prayer Band, and SLC Asia Group is meeting now and, and looking forward to their trip. And, Lord, just a lot of things going on on our campus on a daily basis, and we're grateful for it. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of it. We do pray for Storm's mom, and she readies for this surgery. I pray you'll comfort her heart, and I pray that this surgery would be an absolute success and a blessing in her life to good health. We do pray, Lord, that you would bless the tournament next week and all those that are coming to our campus, and may we be great hosts for them. Bless now this music. Prepare our hearts for the preaching in just a moment. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you, ladies, for that beautiful song. We are honored today to have missionary Josiah DeCuna to preach for us. And if you were here on Wednesday night, you were introduced to him in the missionary um, highlight that we did in the service and got to maybe meet him for the first time. Josiah graduated, of course, from West Coast and uh, so thankful for what God is allowing him to accomplish there uh, by God's grace in the country of Portugal. And uh, he was telling me earlier today that since he's been there, uh, several missionaries have left that field and no new missionaries have come uh, since he's been there. And uh, yet as he's been here for a short furlough, uh, he's heard of two young men that are planning to come over to do a survey trip and, and perhaps come to that field. And that's very exciting to a missionary to realize help is on the way. And I hope that when missionaries come here, that they'll always sense that this is a place where missionaries are being trained to come to the field and those of us that aren't called to missions are planning to pray and planning to give and planning to support missions in every way that we can because that's part of our mandate. Whether it's going across the street and handing a tract to our neighbor or whether it's going halfway around the world and preaching the gospel, we're all missionaries. And if you're not a missionary, then you're a mission field. And so uh, thank you, Josiah, for being faithful. It doesn't surprise me that this young man has been faithful. He was faithful as a student. He was faithful on Blue Crew. He was faithful in everything he did here as a student. And so it doesn't shock me. Wow, can't believe he's doing something for God. Uh, I just knew that he was. And it's so great to hear his report and how God is using him. And I'm thrilled that he would uh, be here today and preach for us. So let's welcome our missionary home, Josiah DeCuna, as he comes to preach for us. 
thank you. Let's open up our Bibles to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, and we'll read into the next chapter, the end of verse 2. 2 Timothy chapter, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13. And the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13, Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. This thou knowest that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me, of whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. The Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus, for he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. The Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day, and in how many things he ministered unto me in, at Ephesus thou knowest very well. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thank you, you may be seated. What is going on here in the book of 2 Timothy? And I know this is Bible college. I don't need to give a big explanation as to what is going on. But nevertheless, I shall. What is going on here? Timothy, the apostle, no, Paul the apostle, is writing to Timothy, his protege, his son in the faith. He is writing to him to encourage him, to help him, because he cares for him, because Timothy has questions. Timothy has doubts. And so he is writing to Timothy to help him out. I'm thankful for mentors that I have in my life. I've had many different people who have invested in my life over the years, one of whom is Dr. Getch. But there are other, five in specific, that I think of. Five. One is my father, former missionary to Portugal, Anthony de Cunha. Another is my uncle, Gary Keck, missionary to Papua New Guinea. Another is past, uh, former pastor, Bob Counts. Another is Pastor Joel Count, my pastor. And another is Pastor Daniel Solorio, the Spanish pastor of my sending church. Each of these men have invested in me in many different ways. But over the years, as I've had questions there in the country of Portugal, I've sent them all questions, emails, messages. And I remember one thing, one email in particular, that my pastor answered me, Pastor Joel Counts. I was having a lot of different people come in with different viewpoints, different religious backgrounds, and I emailed him saying, Pastor, how do I explain to them this isn't what the Bible teaches? And he said, Josiah, just preach the Bible. Sunday and Wednesday, preach the Bible, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. Not my philosophy, not my opinion, not the ideas of the world, but the Bible. Preach the Bible. And so now Paul is writing to Timothy to encourage Timothy and to give Timothy instruction. And that is our first point, the instruction. The instruction. And it begins in chapter 2. Right off the bat, he says, he says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Before we can do anything else, we have to be strong in the Lord. I know it's Bible college. I know your schedule is completely whacked out. I remember, I remember waking up early in the morning, class at 7.30, you guys have class earlier now. I feel bad for you, but hey. Class until about 12.40, work start at 1.30, work until 11, take some time to study, hit the sack, get back up the next morning, go to work. But you know what can't be abandoned in this time? Your walk with the Lord. You have to be strong in the Lord. And I'm reminded of two different passages. Joshua chapter 1, verse 7. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. We have to keep our eyes focused on the Word of God. We have to remain faithful to it. We have to grow in it. 
I don't know if any of you can guess this looking at me, but I am not athletically inclined. I am not a sports person by any means whatsoever, but I do like to run long distance. I don't stand a chance in short distance. My legs are too stubby. But I, I love to run long distance. My father taught me a few things about running. He ran cross country in high school, 13 miles a day. He taught me, Josiah, when you're running, don't look to the left, don't look to the right, don't look behind you, you're gonna slow yourself down and you're not gonna see what's in front of you and you're gonna trip and you're gonna fall. Keep your eyes forward, look forward. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We need to keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus because let me tell you, the race is gonna be hard. The race is gonna be long. There's gonna be difficulties, there's gonna be hardships. What's gonna keep you going? The Lord, being strong in the Lord, being in his word each and every day, reading it, not just a check mark, but really reading it and understanding it, spending time in prayer. Be strong in the Lord. Colossians chapter two, verses six through eight. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Do you wanna hear the big theological definition for the word walk? Live, breathe, eat, sleep. In Portugal, the young men there, they live, breathe, eat, sleep, real football, soccer. When I'm here, that's real football. When I'm there, American football is real football. But they live, breathe, eat, and sleep soccer. And here in the US, the young men live, breathe, eat, sleep basketball, baseball, football, wrestling, hockey, video games. Are we living, breathing, eating, and sleeping Jesus? Is he our heartbeat? I know this is Bible college, but it's still a necessary question. Is he our heartbeat? Rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. There in Portugal, the Portuguese people, if they have a bit of land next to their house, they will plant a garden, a garden garden with cabbage, with zucchini, with radishes, with turnips and tomatoes and all other sorts of plants. And to incorporate ourselves better into the culture, we began doing that. And when I say we, I mean Gloria, my wife. You know what we've learned over the last few years? If there's no roots in this, if the plant doesn't have good roots, it's not gonna give good fruit. If there's a bunch of rocks in the soil, the roots aren't gonna be able to grow deep and strong and bring a lot out of the soil. If there's a bunch of weeds around the plant, it's not gonna be able to grow strong and tall. Okay, well what's that mean for us, Brother Josiah? Break up the hardened parts of your heart, the parts where you're saying, no Lord, not here. This part is my part, no, get that rock out of your life. Throw it out, get it out. Amen. What about the weeds? The things that are distracting us from going after what we're here for. We're here to serve the Lord. You're here at West Coast to prepare for the ministry, training laborers for the harvest. Yes, let's have fun while we're here, but what is our objective? Our, our objective is to get into the harvest, right? That's why we're here, Amen. to serve the Lord. Amen. Let's take those weeds out. Let's remove those weeds and let's stay focused on the Lord. And there are many other things we could add to that. But why? Verse eight, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. The winds of life will howl. They will howl. They will try to knock you over. They will try to uproot you and blow you away. Are you going to be a tumbleweed Christian or are you going to be a sequoia Christian with roots that are deep and strong and that are gonna keep you there no matter what life throws at you? This world is changing. This world is changing. 
And we need to deepen our roots in the Lord and be strong in the Lord. But to be strong in Him, there must be a personal commitment to walk daily in the Lord. Dr. Getch cannot do it for you. Brother Weaver and Mrs. Weaver cannot do it for you. Dr. Burt cannot do it for you. You have to decide to do it for yourself. You have to decide, I'm going to get up and I'm going to walk with the Lord. I understand everybody has different uh, schedules. They're different, different types of people. I am a morning bird. I function better in the morning. When evening comes, I'm like, lights out, I'm out, bye. My wife, she's a night owl. She gets more out of reading her Bible in the evening. Understand when that time is for you and spend time with the Lord each and every day. The instruction was to be strong and then it was to teach, verse two. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. To teach what was heard. To teach what was heard. I'm not big and flowery in my outlines, bear with me, but to teach what was heard. Whether or not we like it, we are each teaching something. We're each teaching something in what we do, in what we say, and how we respond to things. What are we teaching others? What are we teaching? Paul had taught Timothy. You see, Timothy was trained by him. Timothy traveled with him. Timothy got one-on-one -on -one time with Paul and heard him speaking. But then he heard him preaching as well to crowds of people. And he heard that. But then he saw in his life Paul still living what he preached. When do we first read about Timothy? Acts chapter 16, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. What happened in Acts 16? Paul goes to Philippi, leads Lydia, the seller of purple, to the Lord, casts the demon out of the demon-possessed girl, who possibly the girl got saved, most likely. Paul gets arrested, beaten, thrown in prison. And what does Paul do there in prison with Silas? Does he go, ah, no, they don't like me. I'm going, I'm going home. They don't like me. Does he do that? No. What does he do? What does he do? He sings praises unto the Lord there in prison. And Timothy was there to hear about it, to see Paul remaining faithful unto the Lord, though he had just been beaten, though he had been imprisoned. And he said, I'm going to follow that. And so Paul is reminding him, hey, teach what you have heard. Teach that. Don't teach other things. Don't get drawn away by all the crowds and all the amazing people out there. No, this. This is what we preach, teach, and live. To teach what was heard to faithful men, to faithful men, faithful to the Lord, faithful to the word, faithful to prayer, faithful to church attendance, faithful to serving in the church. On Wednesday night, I mentioned that I had the privilege of training two men to preach who are preaching and taking care of the church in my absence, George and Diego. Let me tell you about George. George first started attending the church in January of 2020. In February, the end of February, we came back for furlough. Bad planning on our part. COVID happened two weeks into it and everything shut down. But when we came back from furlough, George was still there. Amen. And George kept attending. And as we were setting up chairs outside behind the apartment building where we met, George would, hey, can I help carry some chairs? Can I help take the chairs down? Can I help you with something, Pastor? I said, this man, he wants to serve, and he's here each time we're meeting. I have my eye on him. And he kept growing, he kept attending. And so then, George, hey, could you teach a children's class? What? He was petrified. He was scared, spitless. But he said, yes, pastor. And we talked through how he would teach them. We gave him curriculum that he would be able to teach through. And he did it. And yes, the first few times was rough. But he grew in it. And he enjoyed it. And then about a year and a half ago, I said, George, could you preach? What, pastor? And he was scared again. I said, hey, I'll talk with you. We'll meet. 
I'll teach you how to preach. And I got my homiletics notes out and I start translating some of them. I'm like, okay, this is what we do. Here's how we do it, George. And he did a great job that first time. And he's just grown in and he's doing wonderful there. We need to find men in our church who want to serve, who are hungry to serve, who are hungry for the Lord. And we need to grow those men. Why am I saying this? Because if the church family is anemic, nothing's going to happen there. We can't depend on the, on the church staff. I know you all are trained for ministry, and many of you will serve on church staff. But if the church family itself is weak, nothing's going to happen in the church. Nothing's going to happen. Gloria and I, as we were preparing for furlough, we were like, I remember missionaries who talked about how they're serving together to missionary families serving in the same country, working at the same church, sent out from the same church. That would be so awesome. But then we started thinking, you know what? This last year and a half, we've been saying, hey, in December of 2022, we will be going back to the U.S. for six months. You all have to step it up. You all have to get involved. You all have to serve. And so many have stepped up and served. During that year and a half, Gloria has been able to train six to eight different people to teach the children's class. She's been able to train two ladies to teach in the ladies' meeting that they have each month. But if we had another missionary working with us, it probably wouldn't have happened. And they'd just be sitting in the church chairs and not doing much of anything. We have to train our people. But it has to start somewhere. The Bible says in Luke chapter 16, verse 10, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. Maybe you're here and you're like, I one day want to be a pastor, an evangelist, a missionary, so on. You have to start somewhere. And it's not glorious. I remember my start here. Summer of 2006, the beginning of the summer, I got here, missionary kid, so green behind the ears, it wasn't even funny, and started working. And my cousin's husband, E.J. Johnson, he was my boss, and he helped get rid of a lot of that green. He helped me out. He's one of my mentors. That man helped me out a lot. And how did I start? That's when I started daily reading the Bible. That's when I started truly serving weekly in ministry and growing in the Lord. How did I start? Cleaning toilets here, vacuuming classrooms. Can I tell you, Sunday afternoon, those toilets are pretty nasty. They're nasty, it's a work of love. I'm sorry, no money is worth it. <laughs> no money is worth it, but God is worth it. And we all have to start somewhere, and God lifts us up. I remember my first time preaching, preaching competition over there in the North Auditorium with that pulpit. I don't know if Dr. Ketch remembers at all, but I preached from Hebrews chapter 12. I had 10 minutes. I was done in seven. I had a death grip on, death grip on that pulpit. I had my right foot inside the pulpit, pushing against the bottom step to keep my legs from shaking. I was so scared. I'm an introvert. I don't like being in front of people. I was homeschooled. My mom was my teacher. I would have to quote poems to her. I'd get so nervous, I'd break down laughing. I couldn't quote the poems to her. What's my point? We all start somewhere. And then God brings us along, little by little by little, equipping us, growing us, strengthening us. I've made lots and lots of mistakes. You just need to ask my pastor about that. We've had several meetings as I interned there at Bible Baptist Victorville, several special, Brother Josiah, my office. But it was necessary. Let's talk about Paul, the one who wrote this. Where did he start? As Saul, who is Saul? The murderer of Christians. But God got a hold of his heart, he got saved, and he became faithful unto the Lord. And then somebody went and got him. Who went and got him? Barnabas. Barnabas had a vision for the potential within him. And we, students, as you get out there into ministry, you need to have vision for the potential in the church family wherever you're serving. And you need to grow those church family members. 
Why? I'll come back to the why later. To teach what was heard to faithful men, to teaching men, men who will turn around and teach others also what to do and how to do it. We're not just training them to serve, we're training them to be able to train and equip others. You don't know how long you're there. As I mentioned to Dr. Getch, we've been there for seven years, coming up to seven. Since we arrived, when we arrived, there were 13 American Independent Fundamental Baptist missionaries there. Four have left the field. A fifth will be living, leaving in April. Of those that I have mentioned, um, three of them are over 60. One of them is getting close to 80. I'm not trying to be mean, but let's be realistic. Probably in the next 10 years, those three missionary families are coming off the field. Since we arrived, no one's got there. No new missionaries from America have arrived. That's a problem. And I'm thankful that the Lord is bringing those two young men that I mentioned to Dr. Getch, but we need more. Everywhere in the world needs more servants. Everywhere. In this verse, verse 2, it says, commit, commit. That word is important. The definition of it is to place alongside or present as food to someone. Now, we are to prepare this word and to deliver it each and every time the doors of the church are open, each and every time there's a church service, a discipleship session, a counseling session, a team meeting, a ladies' meeting, a whatever meeting, we have to present this word to them, ready for them to receive. We have to give it to them, prepared, developed, and we need to strive for that, declaring all the counsel of the God, Paul wrote in Acts 20, verse 28, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. In 1 Peter 5, 2, Peter wrote, Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. We're not there to lord it over them. Oh, I have bachelors in biblical studies. I have a master's in biblical studies. We can all be boastful. No, no. Hey, I'm here to serve the Lord and by serving him to serve you. Can I help you? Can I teach you? But you can't teach them if you don't know it and if you don't live it. I find it interesting that Peter wrote that in 1 Peter 5 too, because back in John chapter 21, he and Jesus had a conversation, right? Remember, on the shore of Galilee, and Jesus is speaking to him, Simon, lovest thou me more than these? Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love you. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Preach the word, the word, and live the word. The instruction to be strong and to teach. But there's something else we need to remember as well with that. You see, the word commit has another definition to it as well. It means to place something into the care of another, to trust them with something else that is valuable. When I go on a date with my wife, I entrust my children into the care of another for a couple of hours. Those are my most valuable possessions, those four wonderful children. And I'm not just gonna trust Joe Blow to watch my four children, no. That church family there in Portugal, those are my spiritual children though. And I'm not just gonna entrust the care of them to Joe Blow whoever. No, they need to be entrusted to someone who's gonna take care of them. I need to find that person. I need to train that person, teach that person. But then I have to trust them. What do I mean when I say trust? When you go on a date with your wife, you don't stop every 10 minutes and call the babysitter. Hey, are the kids still okay? Hey, are the kids still okay? Hey, are the kids? What sort of date is that gonna be? That's gonna be horrible for you and your wife and also for the babysitter. You're telling the babysitter, sitter, I don't trust you. 
During our absence, I've committed the watch care of our church there into George and Diego's hands. And yes, I am regularly contacting them to see how they're doing, but I am not calling them every single day. I'm not calling them, so how's your sermon going? What are your points? Oh, you should probably put these verses in here and you should change that point to the, no. You know what they're gonna do if I do that? They're gonna, fine pastor, you know what? You do it, I give up. Because you don't trust me, pastor. And they're gonna walk away, they're gonna give up. We have to trust them, we have to allow them to make mistakes. That's the way we learn. That is the way we learn. A lot of my greatest lessons that I have learned here at my sending church are because of stupid mistakes that I made. And I had to make them. And you know what? I learned from them. And I keep going forward. So we need to find those church members. We need to teach them and train them and trust them and allow them to grow. Throughout verse 2, we find what we should teach them. Real quick, verse 3 talks about enduring. We need to teach them to endure. Verse 4 talks about sanctifying, that we're not entangling ourselves. Verse 5 talks about striving. Verse 6 talks about laboring, hard work. Verse 8 talks about remembering that Jesus rose from the dead. We have to remember who we serve, who Jesus is and why we're doing this. It's not for the applause of men, it's not for anybody, it's for him. Verse 15, study to show thyself approved. We need to live life for fully purposed to serve the Lord, striving to please him. 16, verse 16, but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. Now, I don't know if college has changed since I've been here. But I remember some conversations going on in the guys' dorms, and they were profane and vain babblings. Did Adam have a belly button? Who cares? What came first, the chicken or the egg? Seriously? Biblically, pretty certain the chicken, but why are we wasting time with this? Could God create a rock so big that he couldn't move it? First of all, just stop. Second of all, find something else to talk about, because this is ridiculous. Shun profane and vain babblings. Verse 22, flee also youthful lusts and follow after righteousness. We need to teach all of that to them. And we can develop that more, but there's not enough time for that. But why does Paul write all of this to him? Why does he write all of this to him? Point two, quickly, the reason. The reason. Let's go back to chapter 1. Verse 15 says, This thou knowest, that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me, of whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. And as we read that, we gain the impression that they didn't just turn away from Paul, but that they turned away from the Lord. Many will wander away from God. Many servants of the Lord will wander away from him, and many already have. I can remember my graduating class, and there are those who have turned away. What do we do? We keep serving. Look at the next verse, verse 16. The Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus, for he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. For sake of time, I'm gonna summarize. Onesiphorus was from Ephesus, and he came and he served Paul while Paul was in prison at Rome under house arrest. He encouraged him. He served him. He was there for him. And he talks about him, saying, the Lord bless him and give mercy unto him. And in the very next chapter, he says, be strong in the Lord and commit unto faithful men what you've heard from me. He's saying, train up the next generation of leaders. Train up the next generation of leaders. Train them and teach them. Students, I don't know how many of you are called to full-time ministry to be a pastor, an evangelist, a missionary. You're just training so that you can serve better in your church as just a regular church member. But wherever you go, might I challenge you to challenge your church family 
to strive, every man in the church, to fulfill the first Timothy chapter three qualifications for the preacher. Women, encourage the women there to fulfill the qualifications for the deacon's wife in Proverbs chapter 31. Why, Brother Josiah? Because if we won't encourage them and they won't live that way, how is there ever gonna be anybody who can meet the qualifications of a future pastor? If they're not being brought up from the very beginning to meet those qualifications all the way through adulthood, they're never gonna be able to be called into full-time ministry. And we have to teach them, we have to encourage them, we have to do that. We have to be there. Why? So that there can be more laborers. Jesus said, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Now, so often when we read that verse, many of us think, oh, we're talking about full-time ministry. No. Jesus is talking about everybody in the church, the whole church as a team, everybody going out, everybody serving, and everybody can do something. Everybody can clean a toilet, pick up a piece of paper. Somebody needs to count out the tracks and put the rubber band around them in preparation for uh, outreach on Saturdays. Somebody can be staying at the church, praying for the soul winners as they go out. But everybody can do something and everybody needs to do something. Everybody has to be involved. Everybody has to be serving. I say all this, and I'm thinking about Timothy, how he's trained by Paul. I'm thinking about Onesiphorus, how he went there and he encouraged Paul. And what did he do? He lifted up Paul's arms as Aaron and Hur did for Moses in the battle against the Amalekites. Whenever Moses' hands were up, the battle was in the Israelites' favor. They were winning. When his hands went down, the Amalekites began to win. So Aaron and Hur put rocks alongside of Moses. They sat down and they held his arms up. But you know what? I bet you Aaron's arms started to get tired. He probably could have used somebody else to come alongside of him and help hold his arms up. Probably the same thing with her as well. His arms probably started to get tired. And he probably could have used someone to come alongside of him and help hold his arms up as he held up Moses' arms, his pastor's arm. And as you're on church staff, your purpose is to lift up your pastor's arms. While I was interning there at Bible Baptist, I was a missions intern. My main focus was working with the youth. But you know what the big job description was? Whatever pastor wants. And that is what your description will be as well. Whatever pastor wants. And your job is to help hold his arms up during the spiritual battle, but also to train up others who can come alongside to help hold up your arms so you can continue holding his arms. And then they can train others to hold up their arms, who will train others, who will train others, who will train others, who will train others, so that we can continue going forth into the harvest field. Everywhere is a harvest field today. The public school is a harvest field, a needy, needy harvest field. Everywhere is a harvest field, a mission field. And we need to stay faithful. But let's all bring it back to the first thing. Are you strong in the Lord? Are you being strong in the Lord? You have to make sure of that. I'm gonna leave you with a few more questions. Are you praying for more laborers? Are you willing to labor? And then the last question is, can you be put into the harvest? I know this is Bible college. I understand that. But I, will, I remember my junior year, fall semester, I think it was Pastor Skelly, but I don't remember, preached a salvation message here. And I had been having doubts all my life about my salvation. I got saved when I was four or five when my parents were on deputation. And afterwards, I grabbed Brother Blim, and we went back to his office, and we talked, and I got assurance of my salvation that day. God reminded me as I talked with Brother Blim, and we prayed, how he had called me at the beginning of my freshman year. He reminded me how at the end of my sophomore year, he called me back to Portugal. And God doesn't call if he doesn't already have you. I realized 
that I was saved. Are you saved? You're here at Bible college. Undoubtedly, you know the gospel. I don't need to go through the gospel with you. Jesus died for you. He did a complete work on that cross. All you have to do is trust him. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. I think about Cristiano Ronaldo, famed soccer player from Portugal. What does he do whenever he scores a goal? Aaron probably knows this. Ronaldo will jump forward and puff out his chest. I scored that goal. Only I scored that goal. Forget the rest of the team. Forget the coaches, the support staff. I did that. All me. And that's what we think when we think we can add something unto the salvation plan. How arrogant, how presumptuous. It's all about Jesus and what he did. And all we have to do is call upon his name. Romans 10, 13.